Amen. That was a wonderful week. If you are a child who was at VBS or a parent of a child that went to VBS or a worker at VBS or you took part in any of the work days leading up to VBS, would you stand? Everybody has a Give these folks a hand. They did a stellar job. Sarah, thank you for all your leadership. Uh, we're very blessed to have Sarah Clausen. Yes, give her a hand. Now, I said this earlier, and I'll say it again, even though it'll get a few groans, I'm sure. Uh, the Bible buddies that we had uh, were pretty cute. You know, there was the soul and Haley, but the uh, Ringo was a planet. And all this time, I thought Ringo was a star. But, you know, uh, thank you, thank you. Anyway, so I learned something at VBS. Ringo is a planet. If you'll join me in your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. And I am going to do (coughs) a very evangelistic, very Baptist thing. (coughs) Now, it's going to be a little different. I'm going to give an invitation. Actually, I'm going to give two invitations. One right now and one at the end. But it's not really an invitation to come forward like at a Billy Graham crusade, although that wouldn't be a bad idea. But the first invitation, and listen closely before you respond, I want you to stand. If you in your Christian life have reached a level of attainment and you say, I have arrived... I cannot get any better. I'm perfect in Christ. Would you please stand? Well, we're in good company. We're all in the same boat. All right? And the Apostle Paul is right there with us. That's what he talks about here in chapter 3 of Philippians. When uh, he says, as we'll see here in a moment, that I have not attained. I've not apprehended it. I'm not there yet. And we're going to look at what Paul had to say about this pursuit of Christ-likeness. That is his calling. That is our calling. And uh, we are called to be like Jesus in every way. But we're not there yet. Stand with me, if you would, as we read God's Word. Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to just read the first few verses. We're going to look at the first 14 verses, but an introduction in, before we pray, I want to just read together these first three verses of Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Let's pray together. Father, bless your word. Bless me as I preach your word. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and may what I say be what you would have said. 
Lord, may we be encouraged, may we be built up, may we be drawn closer to you. And Lord, may we be better because of what you have to say to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Paul was, uh, as he said, in, in hot pursuit, as we'll see here in a minute, of a prize, a mark, a goal of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That high calling, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, was to be conformed to the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ. So the goal of your life and the goal of mine, according to God's Word, is to be just like Jesus. Well, I'm not there yet. And I don't think you're there yet. Tom, are you there? Have you? No. Tom and I are in the same boat. We're not there yet. But that's our goal, right, Mike? I mean, there's, there's no reason to not strive for that. And Paul says here, um, well, let me just go back. Um, when the Bible talks about the flesh, it's not talking primarily about this body you see here. It's talking about our human nature. And the Bible says, as human beings, we are in Adam. Therefore, it says we are sinners. In Genesis 1.27, the Bible said God made Adam and Eve in his image, after his likeness. But sin broke that relationship with God and marred that image. And Paul says in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And Romans 8.28 uh, says that we who are in Christ are the called, according to His purpose, to be conformed to the image of His Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, God is in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, paid for our sins on the cross that he might bring us to himself, that we might be a new people in Christ and where Jesus is the firstborn in the new family. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 that this is God's will for everyone. He said that Christ is in you, the hope of glory, and we preach Christ, warning, noted, every man and teaching Every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Three times he emphasizes everyone, everyone, everyone. This is God's goal and purpose for your life. You can confidently say to anyone in this world, God has a purpose for your life. And that purpose is to be like Jesus. Paul says here in the first few verses, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write these things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous. Paul wasn't bothered by repeating important truths. It didn't grieve him. He said, for you, it's safe. You know, one of the best ways we learn is by repetition. You know, I don't want to just hear John 3, 16 one time and, okay, I got that. No, you know, I never tire of hearing, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We never tire of hearing the truths of God's word. And Paul said, it's safe for me to repeat things to you. And then he gives three uh, warnings. He says, beware, three times. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, and beware of the concision. 
Dogs is a phrase that was used to refer by the Jews to refer to the Gentiles because of their filthy lifestyle. So we don't live like that. We're not filthy animals like those dogs. Paul said, beware of dogs. And then he says, beware of evil workers, those that work evil against you. They are conspiring to do you evil, your persecutors. And then he says, beware of the concision. Now, to, to be concise is to, to cut. It's actually the word for mutilation. And it's a play on the word circumcision. He is saying those that are uh, telling you that you must be circumcised, they're mutilating that truth. He said, we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that circumcision isn't outward in the flesh, but inward in the heart and in the spirit. And he says here, and we put no confidence in our human nature, in the flesh, the old man. Now, when Paul talks about this uh, sign of circumcision, uh, we hearken back to Romans 4 where Paul said in Romans 4.11 that circumcision, that Abraham received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised. God justified Abraham, the Bible says, by faith. He believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness and then gave him a sign of circumcision. That circumcision was a ritual. It wasn't what made Abraham right with God. What made him right with God was the fact that he believed God. He was justified, just like you and I, by faith. It wasn't the ritual that saved him. It was his faith in God. Religion loves rituals. Religion loves to put confidence in the flesh. Confidence in the flesh is, I can do this. I can attain this. I can make it. Someone has said that religion can really be described visually as man attempting to reach God. Whatever religion it is, whatever principles or tenets of that faith, it's I can do something to make myself either God or like God or right with God. And the gospel is just the opposite. The gospel is God reaching down to us and taking us in. And Paul says here that uh, we put no confidence in ourselves, no confidence in human nature, no confidence in the flesh. In, in Galatians chapter 6 verse 12, Paul said, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. Paul said also in Romans 2, verses 28 and 29, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart and in the spirit. Confidence in the flesh is confidence in ourselves as human beings to make ourselves right with God. But God has declared that we in our flesh can do Nothing. Listen to what Paul says about the works of the flesh. Galatians 5.19. He says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. 
Which are these? Here's human nature, he says. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, strife, simulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I have told you before, as I also have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. God says very clearly here that in the flesh you will not, you cannot enter his kingdom. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says in Romans 7:18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, my old nature, my humanity, dwelleth no good thing. Jesus said that evil comes from within the heart of human beings. He said that which comes out of the man defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things, Jesus said, come from within and defile the man. The Bible gives us a very bleak picture of humanity. It says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says that there is none righteous. No, not one. You and I were born in sin. We are part of a lost race. We are not right with God. Man is broken by sin and in desperate need of redemption. Paul like many people, to fix this situation, he tried religion. Maybe you've tried religion. Maybe you're trying it right now. Your good works to do something to fix yourself, to make you right with God. Paul gives us here his religious credentials. Look at verses 4 through 8. He says, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, I'm a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. I gave it my all. I was all in in religion, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He said, if anybody wants to boast about their religious credentials and their confidence in the flesh, I've got more reason than you to brag. But Paul came to realize that his religion did nothing to change who he was in the flesh. Philippians chapter 3 says, verse 7, What things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. He said, all that is nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ. This is the greatest thing that can ever happen in your life is to come to know Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul says, I count it all dung. That's a very picturesque word for it. He said, all my religious goodness, all my righteousness, Isaiah said, or filthy rags. But Jesus, knowing Jesus, and having not my own righteousness, but the righteousness which is of God by faith in Jesus Christ, that far surpasses any religious experience. Far from bringing Paul to God, his religion was barring him from God's kingdom. That's what religion does. 
Jesus said about the Pharisees, they go about making their converts twofold more the child of hell than themselves. Religion never saved a soul. Religion is far worse than any evil this world has ever seen. Because religion says you don't need Jesus. You've got yourself. You've got your church. You've got your good works. God wants you and me not to have religion, but to have a loving relationship with Him. That's what God wants. He desires a relationship with you. He's absolutely crazy in love with you. He's over the moon about you. I don't understand that. I don't understand why God loves me like that. But the Bible says that even yet while we were yet sinners, God loved us and Christ died for us. Paul says that a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is far better than any religion. In comparison, he said religion is waste. It's rubbish. It's garbage. You don't want religion. You want a relationship with God. And He wants one with you. And He's in hot pursuit. God sent Jesus from heaven to seek after you and me. That we were His prize. We were the joy that was set before Him. Where He endured the cross and despised the shame for that joy which was you and me. That relationship is available to everyone by faith in Jesus Christ. To have a relationship with God, we have to be like Him. And we're not. That's why He became like us. He took on flesh like us. So that He could take my sins, John, put them in His body and die on that cross. So that Brett Haas could have a relationship with God. That's why Jesus came. He sought me. And He bought me, as the old hymn says, with His redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew Him, and all my love is due Him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. He came to seek and to save you and I who were lost. He came to die on a cross for our sins, to take away our sins. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That gift didn't cost you and me a thing. It's the free gift of God, but it cost Jesus everything. It cost His life. That gift is received by grace through faith. He rose from the dead to give us this life, eternal life. He lives in us by His Holy Spirit given to us so that we can have a relationship with God and make us like Himself. Salvation is not just a get-out-of-hell free card. God's plan is to populate His kingdom with a people in His image. Adam's image, created in God's image, was marred. Jesus, in Jesus, it's restored. Paul says that the one thing he does is press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that high calling, Romans 8, is for us to be just like Jesus. And Paul says, 
I'm not there yet. Can you echo that with an amen? I'm not there yet. If by any means, verse 11, Paul says, I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul's saying here, I want to apprehend something. I want to lay hold on something. I was a security guard in, in um, Florida when I was going to Bible college. One of the many jobs I held down trying to get my way through school. And um, it was a pretty cushy job. I just kind of was out in the parking lot and about two or three times a day I'd make rounds around the school and just make sure the right people left and the, and, and the right people got in and the wrong people didn't get in. And I had a radio in contact with the office and that's when they told me, you know, do this, do that, whatever. Well, one day I, the radio crackled and a voice came across and said, there are three young students running down the hallway. They're about to exit into the parking lot. Don't let them leave. Stop them. So I looked up and about as far as that... Uh, door is in the back there i saw three students come running out the door and i said oh there they are so i took off in hot pursuit now i was much younger then i was much lighter well actually not a whole lot lighter i've lost a lot of weight uh but i was much younger and i was in much better health much better shape so i took off running at these three students and I'm gaining on them. I'm making ground. And I chase them down through the parking lot and out into a little alleyway that runs by the football field. And I'm gaining with every step. And the thought hit me, what am I going to do when I catch them? <laughs> There's three of them and one of me. And they weren't small students. And all of a sudden, I got that loser's limp. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I couldn't catch them. I knew who they were, and I knew the office knew. I said, they're not going to get away. But I just was, I lost interest in apprehending them. That's the word Paul uses here. He said, I want to apprehend. I want to lay hold on. We use that word in law enforcement, to apprehend suspects. We're after them. We're looking for them. We want to get them. And Paul says here, I have not yet apprehended, but I want to apprehend. The word means to lay hands-on, to grasp, to make your own. He said, I want to get a hold of what God got a hold of me for. I want to apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul said, God came in a hot pursuit to get me. He sent Jesus from heaven to seek me. He found me. He saved me. And He has a purpose for me. And I want to get a hold of the reason He got a hold of me. And that reason is to be like Jesus. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, But while the work of Christ for us is perfect, and it were presumptuous to think of adding to it, The work of the Holy Spirit in us is not perfect. It is continually carried on from day to day and will need to be continued throughout the whole of our lives. You see, sanctification is that process whereby God takes someone like me and makes him like Jesus. Paul said, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead in Romans chapter 6 Paul talks about that says that we're buried 
with Christ were raised up from the dead, and even so we also should walk in newness of life. When he talks here about attaining the resurrection, he's not just talking about being raised from the dead bodily and standing before God uh, bodily, reunited with His Spirit. But He's talking about right here, right now, living a resurrected life. The victorious Christian life is the one where Paul says, you die to the old man, you're dead, and you're risen with Christ. How do I become like Jesus? i got to put the old man to death. He wants things God doesn't want. He does things God doesn't approve of. Paul even said in Romans chapter 7, he said, I do things that I hate. I hate the things that I do sometimes. Why? Because I yield to the old man. Paul says in Romans 6, 11, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 12 of chapter 3 in Philippians, he said, Not as though I had already attained, even though we're already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, lay a hold of, that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. This is a continuous pursuit. When Paul says here that I may, uh, I, I, I follow after, it's the same word he uses in the next verse when he says, This one thing I do, I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul didn't satisfy himself like many of us do with, well, Connie, you know, no one's perfect. You know, when we say that, oftentimes we're saying that as an excuse for not doing right. Or not fixing something. Or not repenting of something. Well, you know, nobody's perfect. Can't expect me to be perfect, Sharon. So I can just go ahead and... I'll lie and God knows it's, it's okay. He loves me and he does. But saying and thinking, well, nobody's perfect, doesn't make it right. You see, Paul didn't satisfy himself with, well, nobody's perfect. No, he said his focus, the one thing he did was to press, to push forward. To strive for that mark, that goal of becoming like Christ. Neither should we be satisfied with anything less. How do we do that? How do I become more like Christ? Well, I'm going to make some suggestions here and then I'm going to give an invitation Again, not an invitation to come forward. You're always welcome to do so. At the beginning of our day, we can examine ourselves and ask this question. How can I be more like Jesus today? That's a good way to start your day. Get your mind in the right frame. What can I do today? To be more like Jesus. How can I be more like Jesus today in my attitude toward God's Word? One of the greatest things is just start your day off with God's Word. How can I be more like Christ today in my obedience? 
How can I be more like Jesus today in my worship? How can I be more like Jesus today in serving others? What can I do today to be more like Jesus in reaching the lost? How can I be more like Jesus when it comes to fellowship with God's people? What can I do to be more like Jesus in discipleship, growing in my faith and sharing my faith with others? How am I like Jesus in my prayer life? How am I like Jesus in my attitude towards others in my church? You know, if I compare myself, John, John, if you compare yourself with me, you're probably going to get off pretty good. And say, yeah, well, at least I'm better than Haas. But we don't compare ourselves with others. That's a foolish thing to do. If I'm going to compare myself with someone, I want to compare myself with Jesus. Because you know what? I'm always going to find something to work on. In fact, I'm going to find plenty to work on. And it keeps me from pointing a finger at you. Because I'm like, i got enough to take care of right here. And at the end of each day, we can ask this question. Was I more like Jesus today? How was I like Jesus today? Think about that when you go to bed. Write it down. Keep a journal. I don't journal. My wife journals. She's pretty good at it. I figure she's good at it, but I don't need to. She does it for the both of us. But at the end of the day, ask yourself, how was I like Jesus today? How can I be better tomorrow? And make that your goal. Each and every day. Because you see, he says there's two things to do. Forget those things which are behind. The bad and the good. You can't rest on your laurels. Reaching forward to that which is ahead. But today, pressing toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, there are no perfect Christians. I'm not one, you're not one. There are no perfect churches. But just because we're not there yet never excuses us from pressing forward and trying to be better. Don't you want to be better than you are? I do. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better grandpa. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better church member. I want to be a better citizen. I want to be a better man. That should drive us. And that is, Paul said that's our goal. And the goal, the best man, is Jesus. That's our mark. And so we can say, I'm not there yet. But we can't use it as an excuse to say, well, nobody's perfect. We're not a perfect church. Someone has said very wisely, if you find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll ruin it. And that's true. But shouldn't that be our goal? What failure in my personal life, what sin in my personal life does God say, oh, that's okay, don't worry about that? I don't know of one. And as an individual believer and as a church, we should want to be the best church we can be. That's one of the reasons why this coming Saturday morning...
right here in the ministry center. We'll be having our roundtable talks or discussions because we want to be a better church. I want to be a better Christian. We want to be a better church. So we're going to be talking about how can Main Street Baptist Church be better. Now let me say this up front. Main Street Baptist Church is a good church. When I joined this church, I loved it. I love it more today than I did the day I joined. This is a good church. I've been in church since nine months before I was born. I know churches, Mike. This is a good church. But we can be better. So that's what we're going to talk about as a family. We're going to say, hey, what can we do to be better? We want every member of the body here to say, hey, what about this? Can we do that? How can we be better? It's not, it's not a gripe session. It's not a, well, I think we need to do this. No, it's, hey, we're doing this. Could we try this to make it better? We're going to be talking about our worship life, our service to others, our evangelistic outreach, our fellowship with one another, and our growth in our faith, our discipleship. We're going to be talking about those things that are that really are heavy and matter. And we want every one of the members, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you. We want to hear everybody say, hey, what about this? Would this help make us better as a church? So please be here Saturday morning. Now, we'll start the table talks at 10 o'clock. But if you want a donut, you better get here before then. They'll be gone. We're going to open the doors at 9.30. We'll have donuts and coffee. And we'll have a good time of fellowship. And we'll sit down as a family and say, hey, what can I do to make the church better? I hope you'll join us. If you would like to not only be here, but to take part as a table leader, I won't tell you right now what that means. I'll tell you if you come see me because I don't want to eat up more time because I'm, I'm already out of time. You owe me overtime, five minutes. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll just let that slide. Since we're in a spending freeze, we'll let that slide, Jonathan. All right. uh, and by the way, we are in a spending freeze, uh, which just means that we've gone below a certain level in our reserve, and so our ministries aren't spending um, ex, uh, extra monies. So I've decided as a member of the family that I'm just going to raise my giving for the next few months through the summer to get us back. That's what families do. We just, we, we cinch up the belt and we do things. You know, unlike the, the federal government, we cut. <laughs> and so we're going to, we're, we're cutting back. But uh, I want to encourage you as a member of the family, uh, let's give. Be generous in your giving throughout the summer. And God's going to bless us. we got some great things going on. And we got some wonderful things coming in the future. Uh, is it Teat? Frank Teat? One of uh, Jonathan's mentors. In fact, Jonathan said he was one of the greatest influences in his spiritual life. Will be with us for the next four Sundays. So I know you'll want to be here to hear Frank as he brings God's word. Uh, let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you do for us. We're so grateful for this family you've given us. And God, I just pray that um, you would help us to know that we're loved by you. 
And Lord, uh, we want to be better. And like Paul said, uh, he hadn't apprehended. I haven't either. None of us have. But Lord, it's so good to know that whether I get better or whether I don't, you still love me. That's the relationship we have. I'm so glad I don't have a religion where I'm trying to meet a certain quota to make you like me. I'm glad that you do. And Lord, help us individually and corporately to strive for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and to be like him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.